Hey, housewives, come on in. You know the dirty dishes are still in the sink from yesterday and the laundry is still in the basket. Pop your AirPods in and make yourself at home here. I'm Tracy. I'm Tori. And we are your Unlikely Housewives. Stepping out in faith and believing that God calls the unlikely, we are here to show you the appreciation and validation you deserve, lead you to authentic relationships, and release you of believing the cultural lies to restore your faith and wellness. Pull up those high-waisted yoga pants, tighten your top knot, and reheat your coffee for the third time. Turn up the volume and let's go. Hey, housewives. Welcome back. We are here and so excited because we have a stellar guest for you guys today and y'all are going to love her. Yes. And I think everybody who's here is going to take away something that will carry through maybe just tomorrow, maybe the rest of your life, because the minimal conversations that we've already had have been huge impact already. Yes. And I think this is also going to be one of those episodes you're going to have to earmark or book however you save a podcast. Yeah. Bookmark. Bookmark it. <laughs> favorite. Favorite. Because it's going to be one you're going to go back to and go, wait, what did they say on this? Or what was that? Like, oh, I needed that encouragement. Or when something happens from now, you'll be like, oh, wait, there's there was that, that podcast. There was that podcast. So, yes. Okay. So I would love to introduce our guest to you today. So this is such incredible just connection networking. So I've been on my own health journey for the last two years, probably. And about seven, eight months ago, a friend of mine referred me to follow Lindsay O'Reilly on Instagram. She is a registered dietitian and really focuses on thyroid nutrition. So I've followed her forever. So she's local to the Kansas City area. Anybody follow her, find her. We just want to give her a shout out because she has some incredible information. So I started following her and just about two months ago, in her stories, I saw this podcast that she was on. And so I clicked and listened. And wow, did I feel seen and heard and totally like just in the same place and was so grateful. And that is who we have here today. And her name is Amy Renicky. Did I do that right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I bet you get that a lot. I do. Yeah. I do. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And she has her own podcast, Love Your Body Well. You? And we are going to talk just about ladies loving our bodies well and the journeys that it takes. Yes. So let's just start there. Amy, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat today. Yeah. And it's so fun just that you're local and you're here in person. I know. I know. How fun. Two I don't local think I've podcasts. ever recorded one in person. So I'm super excited I about know. it. That's, I know. I love we the last guest we had was in person too. And I was like, it makes such a difference just having people. Can I say in studio? Can I go yes. to yes. Yes. This is a studio. This yeah. is mm-hmm. a studio. At least okay. we're not in your closet. That's true. <laughs> it is a little awkward awkward about the closet. (laughs) Please come on upstairs. We did do that one time. Our first guest, she was a girlfriend of ours. Yes. (laughs) We said, don't mind the dirty laundry. That's right. Past you, but that's fine. So, but anyways, well, we're just going to go with you. You now have a podcast, you have Mm -hmm. a blog, but that didn't come out of nothing. That came out of your own personal story and experience. Mm -hmm. So let's start there. Tell us I mean, what was the trigger? What was what made you go, okay, something's got to give. I've I've got to do something different. Okay. So my story is kind of long and complex. I think that 
as women, most of us can say that about our own stories. And my journey truly with body image and a negative body image truly started when I was in fourth grade. So in fourth grade is when I had the, um, I'm going to call it a realization, but just the awareness maybe that my body was changing and looking different than it had. And I didn't like it. So I equated that with something bad. And so I can remember vividly like telling my mom that I didn't like the way that my body was. I felt bigger than anybody that I was around. And back then, you know, I was 10. So that was like 1992-ish. And the thing to do back then is was, okay, I'll help you lose weight. You know, that's Mm -hmm. you want to change in your body, then I'll help you lose weight. So I started Weight Watchers actually in fourth grade. And um, I truly believe that doing that at that young of an age sent me on a path of destructive behavior with my body and this um, mindset that it always needed to change. And so I've been through a lot, obviously, since I was 10. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But um, I do believe that that initial diet kind of created beast inside of me that I never really knew how to tame. In high school, I did different diets and I I did Weight Watchers. I did Herbalife. um, I did lots of different things. I was always trying to change my body though. I I never felt like it was good enough or or I, I never felt confident. I went to college and it really kind of heightened a little bit more in college. And this whole time, I didn't really realize what I was doing. I didn't realize how serious it necessarily was at that time because a lot of other people were dieting or things like that. And so it felt very normal. But, you know, you only know what's going on in your head and how negative that can be and what kind of isolating thought process you can have by yourself in there Mm -hmm. and how scary it can feel like with some of like really strong feelings that you have about yourself. And so in college, essentially what would happen is I would go throughout the college year and do the college thing. So Taco Bell at two in the morning. Sure. Yeah. I drink. I drank quite a bit in college. I never had like a drinking problem per se, but I mean, like most people Having in college a time. had yeah, a good time. Exactly. Yep. You go to a party, you drink. Yes. But also in that time, I still continued to do Weight Watchers and I would go back to my hometown. It was about 45 minutes away from where I went to school and I would weigh in every Monday night. And then um, we would usually go out to dinner as a family, like with my parents. And then I would pretty much eat the entire way back home to school. Now, prior to that, I would go out like on Thursday or Friday nights. And by Saturday, I was like, well, I have to weigh in on Monday. So I would start reining it in. Yeah. And by Sunday and Monday, it was it was not as much food. And Mondays were little to no food and little to no water. Mm-hmm. And so I was literally saving everything for Monday night. I can totally relate. And I started Weight Watchers when I was, I think I was 30. It was just a couple years after we were married. And I remember saving my points for calories from my drinks than my food. Yep. And I mean, I, I did it for many years mm-hmm. and I hit my, I became a lifetime member. I hit my goal of 30 pounds down mm-hmm. and I stuck on that. Like I was proud of that. Oh yeah. Which granted you should be proud of it, but I, I learned a lot, but I also learned a lot of like things that it just became obsessive. Yeah. So I didn't even realize in college that it was an issue, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I I left college, always knew like I had food issues. I mean, that was just clear because I would go home every summer and like lose the weight, you know, because mm-hmm. I wasn't drinking as much. I was at, more active. 
Um, I looking back, I did have a pretty unhealthy relationship with exercise. I love to work out. It, it's not something that's ever been a struggle for me. So you can have too much of a good thing. And yeah. so I would work out sometimes for two and three hours a day. I taught yoga. I taught like strength and step classes in college as well. And I think I was just way overdoing it. And then the summers, you know, you didn't have as much going on. So I think I was working out quite a bit. So every year I went back to college, I'd lost the weight that I'd gained during the school year and only to just basically gain it back. It was it was just, I started yo-yo dieting essentially at the age of 10 years old. Right. And so fast forward a couple of years, got married and I knew I had issues, like I said, but didn't really know what they what they were. And I had joked that I was a bulimic who didn't purge without knowing that that actually is an eating disorder called binge eating disorder. And the way that I found that out was I was actually at the gym and on the elliptical next to a lady that was going to um, school, getting her master's. And she was writing like a like a paper on binge eating disorder. And so she was telling me about it. And I this this day will forever be burned into my mind because she was explaining it. And like the breath literally in my lungs just felt like it was I was closing in like, oh, my gosh, like this is this is what I have. And I didn't know that it was an eating disorder. I didn't know it was that serious. I, w- I just was under the impression that a lot of people did this. But she like went into detail. And I re- I can still remember the day like walking out like in this almost like like fog, walking out of the gym. And I lived only like five minutes from there and walked in- into our home and looked at my husband. We'd only been married three years at the time and said, I think I have a problem. I think I have an eating disorder. So uh, to go back just for a second, is that conversation that you had on the Stairmaster, like, just like, hey, what are you doing? You know, like, oh, it's very that total, like, we're right next to each other. So we're going to awkwardly start a conversation to be like, so I kind of knew her. Oh, okay. So I was in network marketing back then. Yeah. And she was one of my customers. Okay. And so I believe that it was truly like a divine intervention. Like God put us there on that day with that topic with no one else around to, to have, just that. Wake, to have that to wake to you be up. like you need to hear this like mm-hmm. this this battle it, honestly at that point is just beginning like you've you've been in battle for years but like it's time to fight the beast that that you didn't even realize so do you think and and again this is a conversation i think a lot of women really do need to have and yeah. in, in the eye opening of like do you consider your binge eating come from mental negative self-talk do you think it comes from uh, an imbalance inside your body do you think it comes from um, emotional eating I, I honestly don't think it comes from necessarily an imbalance in my body I believe it comes from the mental side of it to be honest and I believe that diet culture really played into that mm-hmm. because at, at 10 I it was confirmed yes your body should change so if I gained weight then it was like well I was told at 10, yes, it should change. If you gain weight, then it should change. You should want to be as thin as possible. Sure. So when that you're was not the 90s. as thin that was as the possible. Ni- yeah, that was the 90s, right? Yes. I mean, just in a nutshell. We just chase thinness. We chase fat-free. We chase all, all of those things. And the the thing is, is nobody thought you were doing anything wrong. Like, right. Because everybody was doing it. And exactly. so it wasn't a thing. You know, for a long time. So what ended up happening is I went, I went to therapy and I realized there are some of the things that I don't want to say caused it, but just 
led me there, I guess mm-hmm. I could say, and had to come to grips with that, had to come to grips with that part of my story and like the need for control. I think um, the need for control is why a lot of people end up with an eating disorder. They can't I control agree. their surroundings or their relationships or they might have trauma in their lives or, you know, have an abusive partner or whatever. But I could control that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I could control my food consumption and until I couldn't. Yeah, I think you know? that's very common. I yeah. mean, women rotate what some people think is an addiction mm-hmm. is really the ability to control something, which again, yeah. turns into an addiction. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's their way of controlling something. Yeah, it is. So I went to therapy in it was 2008, 2009. I was in therapy for about a year. I went and saw like a binge eating disorder therapist. Real quick question mm-hmm. for just for my own knowledge. Is it when it comes to eating disorders, is it the three types like the bulimic, anorexic, and then the binge eating or and there are subsets of that? Um, I'm not an eating disorder expert, so no, I want to say that yeah, for sure. But there but, is also orthorexia, which is essentially a obsession with being healthy as well. And that is one I think that is really prevalent these days. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that we all have this like kind of like obsession with being the healthiest we possibly can be and kind of taking that to a level that can be unhealthy. That's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Like you you said earlier there, you can have too much of a good thing. Yes. Yeah. you, You can completely overdo it. I mean, we go back to the idea of like, everything in and like in moderation, right? Like you can't have too much of this and and not enough of that. Like you, there is a place to have the piece of cake. Right. Right. You don't, right. you don't get a, a prize or a ribbon for saying, no, I'm mm-hmm. good. I don't need a birthday cake. Well, yeah, I mean, it, but it, if you do, like my, what I would do is I would, I wouldn't have the piece of cake in front of anybody. So I would give the impression okay. that I was healthy and I and, have no idea why I've gained weight. And then the second the doors were closed, all bets are off. Yeah, because no one can see me. Mm-hmm. I can hide the food that I was consuming. It was a very food was very very shameful. Like if I needed to eat to fuel my body, or if I ate Oreos were a big thing for me. I just thought they were like the worst thing in the world that anybody could possibly eat, and they were something I felt completely out of control around. So if I had Oreos, I mean, I would literally buy them. I would take them and put them in the trash so my husband couldn't see that I had them. I mean, there was a lot of hiding food. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so that's why when she was talking about it, I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you mean everybody doesn't hide their food? Like nobody's, (laughs) you know, it was just this really, it was basically the way that I dealt with a lot of things. I'd Mm -hmm. I'd gone through some different traumatic things and it was the way I was kind of dealing with it. To be honest, I was shoving those feelings down. And in therapy, I did not realize how depressed I was. Because it was, I really had to like face some of that stuff like full frontal. And so they put me on like three different medicines. And I was, I will say, like looking back, I was a fairly normal weight at that time, like when I started therapy and I gained 100 pounds in a year in binge eating disorder therapy. Wow. Yeah. Wow. How, they, how did that, how did that make you feel? Horrible. Like, yeah. Absolutely horrible. It was literally one of the darkest years of my life. It was awful. I and you were and you were essentially healing. I was healing, but but not healing at the mm-hmm. same time. Right. It was a really it was hard. Our marriage went through a really, really dark time during that because I was just faced with all this stuff, like all these feelings, all these emotions, all this trauma that I had tried to like shove down and I was having to face it. And um they had put me on three different prescriptions. They'd put me on two different antidepressants and actually an anti seizure medication to essentially like stop that part of my brain from being so hyper-focused on food. 
which is very interesting because when after I'd been on it a while, I was like, oh my gosh, this is how normal people think. Like I haven't like overthought about food. I mean, I would wake up thinking about food at every meal. I was thinking about the next meal. Like, when can I eat again? Like, it was just this really, really hyper focus on food. And so that that pill shut that down. Wow. But what happened? So I went to like an intuitive eating dietitian at that time. And I lived in Topeka at the time and drove actually into Kansas City to Shawnee Mission Medical Center. And is that Advent Health now, I think? Uh, Yeah. 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 So So it used to be Shawnee Mission Medical Center. I would drive in every Monday and have a meeting with my dietitian. And I was gaining weight so rapidly. But the problem was, is I was being completely numbed with the prescription. Right. You're not learning anything about the relationship with food. I was learning, I think, in my therapist with my therapist. But what the problem was, is I was being told it's okay. Like you can eat what you need. Well, I was still processing all of this. And I was on medications that increased your appetite. And nobody told me that. Nobody told me that. So that is something I've had to kind of let go of because my body's literally never been the same. It's never been the same since. But I am not like overly consumed with food. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not saying that I never have issues when you have that in your past. I think you have to be willing to understand like there are times that you can kind of feel yourself getting that pull back. Sure. And then I just have to recognize it and say, like, now I know how to recognize that and be like, hey, I'm having a hard time. I need to talk about this. Red flags. These are my red flags, you know, whatever. So, so yeah, I gained the 100 pounds in a year. And then it's, it's just been interesting, quite honestly, since I got done with therapy and felt much, much better. We actually moved to Kansas City then a couple of years later and was feeling better. So that was like 2009-ish and about uh, 2010 I was like, okay, I, I guess we can have kids now because I didn't have kids at that. I got married actually at 23 and I was terrified of having kids because I didn't want to get fat. Yeah. So like I say that out loud now, like now being a mom of three and I'd like to slap 23, 24 year old Amy. Well, who wouldn't like to slap our younger selves? Yeah. Uh, and be like, why? Yeah. yeah. Right? <laughs> I, you're not, I mean, you're not alone. I, yeah. I absolutely like <laughs> I had four kids. And my mission, absolutely, after I got done having that baby, was get back in shape. Yeah. Every single time. Mm-hmm. And then I had my fourth. And then it was like, I'm done snapping back. Yeah. Like, it's exhausting. I'm exhausted. Yep. Yeah. I it's mean, exhausting. it was. And there's women who, I mean, our bodies are fascinating. God created them. So incredible. Mm-hmm. But our bodies also carry so much weight of stress and emotions and the mental and everything. And I think I'm still recovering, you know, 14. My oldest is almost 15. Like from going through that and then not only does your body go through that, but you're like, hey, how how do I even find myself again? Yeah. I think we're still like women, we joke about it. Like, hey, I'm going to lose my baby weight, but my baby's eight. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like we still joke about it. But it is difficult because our Mm -hmm. bodies are constantly changing. Mm -hmm. And with the physical change comes an internal change. And what a battle. Motherhood changes you. Like you're a different person. I'm a different person than I was before I had kids. My my priorities are different and my viewpoints on life are different. Like everything about me is different, essentially, Mm -hmm. since having kids, you know. So I ended up kind of saying, okay, let's, let's go ahead and try. We tried, got pregnant right away and then miscarried right away. And it felt like at that point, 
I was mad at God, to be honest. Like I'd finally been like, okay, I'm going to give this to you. And then he took it away. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I believe everything happens for a reason. And if we would have had that baby, we wouldn't have taken the job that he got offered to move to Kansas City. And I truly think like for my overall healing, I, we needed to come to a city that was just ours. Yeah. And that we could really lean into our marriage and we could heal and we could really become one. And we hadn't really up to that point. Mm-hmm. And so we moved here and I got pregnant literally like, two weeks in on complete accident. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy and funny. And we laughed when we found out. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. You know, because now I was like, okay, now we're going to do this, you know. and Yeah. And now we're here by ourselves. You know, we're here yeah. by ourselves. Which I just have to acknowledge too, because our, our audience, you know, they're familiar with my story, but God used Kansas City also to heal my marriage. Mm-hmm. And it, and it allowed our family to become one, mm-hmm. my, just my husband and I. And I, yeah. so like just to hear somebody else say that Kansas City, like just, yeah. And that just makes my heart swell because I, it, I don't know what I would have done without Kansas because it seemed like a stupid idea at the time. Yeah. Like, why on earth are we doing this? Yeah. And then just God uses it all. So, it was but. a very interesting thing. He got offered a job and they kind of went back and forth for a while. And I had said, if they offer you this, this, and this, then there's no way that we can say no. And they didn't offer him that at the beginning. And I was like, all right, we're staying. It's fine. Like my family's here. We're only an hour from your family, you know, yada, yada, yada. Well, the talks kept going back and forth. And when the the final offer was exactly what I said. Yeah. And I was like, dang it. Yeah. (laughs) Dang it. I I felt that on our move too. I mean, we were ready, but it happened so fast that it was like, okay, now put our house on the market. And I was like, wait, what? This yeah. is this is happening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Total surrender to like yeah. what you think your life is going to be. Oh my gosh. All three uh, of us right here at this table. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh. Yep. Ooh, that gave me gifts back. It did. But it, yeah. But it I would never change it now. Right. Like, I'm so happy to be here. I love living in Kansas City. I love everything about it. I love that this is our town. And yeah. this is where we are creating memories, where we are putting down our roots. And it's it's not my hometown. It's not his hometown, but this is our town together. Yeah. And that that Kansas City is is my kids' town too. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like this is their hometown. I'm proud of that. So, yeah. so when we moved here, we moved February of 2011 and had our first son in November of 2011. And it was like holding him for the first time. I was like, this is what you were created for. And I don't want to struggle with food because I don't want to pass this down. Like yeah. I, I just don't. I don't want to give him this gift of hating your body, hating food or feeling like you're like food is controlling every piece of your life. And so mm-hmm. I really did work on a lot of the emotional piece of that. And then I got pregnant with my second and I ended up with severe back pain seven weeks into my pregnancy. So right after Whoa. finding out. Yeah. And when I say severe, I mean like like mind numbing. I'm going crazy. So I had sciatica down the right side for my entire pregnancy. It was the oh. most god-awful pain I've ever been in in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And I was convinced he was just sitting on my nerve. Yeah. And um, was at the chiropractor, acupuncturist, doing all the things. My sweet three-year-old at the time literally sat with me, crying in tears, took care of me. I mean... Sorry. It's no, okay. It's okay. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. Nope. Not this at is, all. This is good. Because you're not alone. Yeah. Yeah. Mamas need to hear this too. My first was an accident. 
to me, but he was not an accident by God. Mm-hmm. And God gave me him to get through that second pregnancy. Because it was really, really hard to be in that much pain and try to take care of a toddler. And at the time, my husband was working a job that he was gone all the time. And I had no family here. And I was by myself. And, you know, I had a couple of friends, but it was just a really, once again, like dark time. And I thought that once I had him, I would be better. And I wasn't. And so when my second was 12 weeks old, I had to have back surgery. And I could not bend, lift, or twist for 12 weeks. Oh, gosh. With a newborn and a with a toddler. New- mm-hmm. And so it was this, once again, this, why is this happening to my body? Like, why this fight? Always this fight. Mm-hmm. And I was really mad about it. And they told me that a lot of people don't have back surgery. At, I think I was 32. It kind of made light of it. Like, we're pretty young to be having back surgery, which I, you know, at that point still, I was like, I equated it to the amount of weight I had gained so quickly and the pressure that put on my joints and all of that. And so it was a lot of like kind of beating myself up. Like, I've done this to myself again, you know, because in pregnancy, like when you can't move and you're pregnant, like I I gained weight in my pregnancy. Like I'm so physically uncomfortable, like just from gaining weight and just being sedentary because any movement honestly hurt. And so they told me in recovery, they said, if you do not lose weight, you will have to have another back surgery. And I was like, like, hell, I will. Like, yeah. absolutely not. Mm-hmm. So I joined Weight Watchers again in 2015 because I thought that was the answer mm. and told myself, you've never hit goal in all these years, but you will hit goal this time. And I did. I lost 104 pounds in a couple years. And the day that I hit goal, I looked at myself in the mirror and said, you can do five more. You can go five more. Yeah. And immediately, immediately was like, oh my gosh, you didn't fix the problem. Mm-hmm. You thought you were fixing the problem because you fixed the symptom, but you didn't fix the root cause. And I'm a big, big, big firm believer of a root cause approach now. Yeah. And so I had had the two kids. I lost the weight and then realized I am not healed, actually. Mm-hmm. I am still now it had kind of swung the other way. Right. I wasn't binging, but I had this really unhealthy relationship with like exercise and food in general. Like, so is that the the other eating orthorexia? Orthorexia. I've never been diagnosed with orthorexia. It's more been like a self-diagnosis that I know I've had periods of time in my life that those that was a season of it. Very much. Very much. Hey, Housewives, we want to share with you one of the resources we absolutely love and use all the time. It is the Audible Premium Plus membership. You know how we talk about books pretty much every episode? Our new podcast one day will be a book and a podcast. Exactly. (laughs) We love to read. Exactly. But do we have time? No. So we're sharing with you guys the Audible Premium Plus membership because that's how we consume all these books. We know you're in the carpool lanes. We know you're driving your kids to and from practices. You're always on the go, doing laundry, doing dishes, and you can have those AirPods in your ears. With this membership, you get one free Audible to start. And if you're an Amazon Prime member, you get two free audiobooks. Isn't that incredible? And then let's say there's some extra books that you want for the month. You get 30% off the price. So you're saving money there too. And you can cancel at any time. And if you cancel, the books that you've already purchased 
or already gone through the membership are yours to keep, no matter what. And you get unlimited access to Audible plus the catalog, and they've got their own books, they've got Audible originals, their own original podcasts that you can't find anywhere else. It's an incredible resource for moms on the go. And so we'll put the link in the show notes for you. And this is a perfect way. If you want to get some more reading in, you can absolutely do it this way and support our podcast. So we decided that we wanted to have a third and I couldn't get pregnant, which is the first time I'd not been able to get pregnant. But I was very thin. My hair was very thin. Skin was very dry. Like it's interesting to look back at pictures. Like I had more wrinkles on my face even because... I mean, I look at some pictures and I'm like, oh my God, like just too thin, like for Mm -hmm. my frame, just too thin. Yeah. And so I, there's a lot that like kind of happened during those two years being on Weight Watchers. That's when I started my Instagram account. So that's actually when I started my blog and my Instagram. I started on Instagram first and then like... Did you start once you hit your goal? mm -hmm. No, I did my whole weight loss journey. So you did your whole journey. So you were very open publicly about your whole health journey, weight loss journey from the time that you said, I'm going back to Weight Watchers. Yep. Okay. So after my back surgery, I started on Instagram and sharing my wellness journey. And can I ask a question about that? Do you think that sharing on social media about your wellness journey gave you the outside external validation you needed to continue? So it kept you there. It was like a, I think looking back, it was kind of a drug that like I needed. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it, I think it was, I think I was addicted to that that external validation, mm-hmm. you're doing it. Yeah. You're doing something really worthwhile. People think this is a big deal. Yeah, it went beyond the and, accountability. And it I, went I'm going to just say this, like most of us feel better when we're in a thinner body. Most of us feel better when we are not carrying extra weight. I want to say that that's not a bad thing. That's not right. a bad feeling to want to feel comfortable in your body. I think that that's really important. But there's more than just the number on the scale. It's also being comfortable in your body is also what's going on between your two years, like mm-hmm. what, what's happening there too. And we have to like think about that as well. Yeah, We can't just equate it to, well, I'm in a thinner body, so everything's better. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we do as women a lot. Yeah. Well, that's what we're told and fed. Mm-hmm. And I think now like, okay, so we're looking at the 90s where we all looked like, you know, like Skeletor, right? <laughs> like that was yeah. what I ideal was. Ideal. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I took my girls, we were at the mall. Children, that's a place where there are lots of stores in one <laughs> building under one roof. That's called a mall. Seriously. Okay. Where where us as teenagers actually would walk with our friends yes. uh-huh. and do absolutely nothing except go to Claire's, maybe Spencer, uh-huh. yeah, and, oh, Spencer's, and yes. spend our stupid $20 on absolute crap. Yep. So, sorry, I had to make these people don't know. <laughs> um, but also... We walked by a Victoria's Secret mm-hmm. poster. Well, the Victoria's Secret store. And I paused. And no longer is it just the stick thin models, mm-hmm. you know, voluptuous mm-hmm. falling out of their, you know, just boobs. But it is women who have the curvy bodies and are like like the opposite. And mm-hmm. I and I want to get your I I understand. The idea of that is saying, yes, all bodies are different. We all don't need to look like, you know, like we don't eat anything. Mm -hmm. But I also want to say, too, that is that when we put those that on display as well, 
are we telling people like it's you know the that the extra weight on our joints and things like that is that affirming saying no no it's okay that you could lose 50 pounds but you know what no don't let anybody shame you that body's yours which i agree with like we shouldn't be fat shaming but we also should be like yeah but you would feel so much better if you were able like What's your thought on that? Because I think it's a hard camp. I think that we have to know that like we have to have body autonomy. Mm -hmm. And so to that to that individual, that could be comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So that we can look at somebody and say, well, that would be uncomfortable. To be that size, honestly, thin or or heavy, to be honest, I think that can swing both ways. Yes. But I think it comes down to that. We have to kind of stay in our own lane a little Mm -hmm. bit. I don't believe that we should promote body fatness and I don't believe we should promote body thinness. I think we should just be very autonomous in what we what we are because there are so many things that are going on besides just what that person's eating and besides what that person's doing for exercise, if that makes sense. And we're kind of told, you know, as long as you eat less and move more, that's been the age old thing, you know, well, if they're overweight, then they're obviously overeating. Like that's obviously what's or happening. Or not moving enough, right? Or not yeah. moving mm-hmm. enough. They must right. be really lazy. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is that's not true. Yeah. I mean, I I now being in this space and in a larger body currently than, than what is comfortable for me, to be honest, I've realized that once again, I don't have as much control as I think I do. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. my body's doing something that I don't feel, it, my body is reacting from years of trauma and years of abuse. And that's going to take years to heal. Right. Yeah. And I'm aware of that now. But I think the hard part is, is to not feel represented. So it's hard for someone in a larger body to go somewhere and feel like I'm not welcome here because I'm not thin. And it's not my fault that I'm not thin. Yeah. Right. Now, I'm not saying that that's not ever like I'm not saying there's not personal responsibility there. Right. But to, to me, truly, I think it's that's a that's an inside job. That's got to be something that someone is willing to step into themselves and something that only they can step into. They have to decide. I want to be as healthy as I can be for X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And hopefully that X, Y, Z is not just because I want to look good in a pair of jeans. Right. It's, yeah, I want to be here for my kids. Yeah. I want to be able to get up and off the floor. I, I want to be, I want to live till I'm 90 because mm-hmm. I had kids when I'm older and I want to be around to see my grandkids. You know, I think that we have to quit having the goal be the size of the body and instead the experience that that we want to live in this body that we're given. Amen. God gave us one body. It yep. is our temple and we need to treat it the best we can. Yeah. But I will tell you, because I've been through my own issues for years. I mean, I was the same. I mean, I lived the 90s. I, I took the ephedrine. I took all the mm-hmm. things to stay thin. I went through the you know, working out. I I did all of the like beach body back to back to back to back yeah. to just stay. I mean, day in and day out. I've done all the things. And now I'm at a season where I mean, I've been eating clean and I and I do work out and all those things, but that's not what's gonna help me. It's the balancing the hormones, yeah. taking care of the thyroid that is now debunked, like all the <laughs> things, like inflammation, autoimmune, like there's yeah. so many underlying things that, you know, can happen when you're 15 can happen when you're 25 can happen when you're 60 like but all that to say what used to work doesn't always work and going back to what you said earlier like we believe in the root cause I mean that's why I got involved in a gut health company 
eight years ago is because that's what started to change my health. Right. And I still believe in it strongly, but it's now not just the answer. Right. Like I need other support from homeopathy and thyroid support and all kinds of things. Yep. It's not just that. It's so not. I think I think the hard part that women struggle with, and, and again, I'm speaking for those that I've spoke to being in the industry, is that we want to do what worked before and it doesn't work. And but we're scared to go try something new for fear of what it would cost, what it's going to take. Like, mm-hmm. we just have to keep advocating and finding answers. Yeah. Because if I wouldn't, I'd be a 42-year-old on birth control because that's what my doctor wanted to do right. to fix my problems. Well, that wasn't the problem. Right. Well, and we're so quick to think, we think that the result needs to be a exterior result. Yes. Right. Yes. And we... Well, because that's what's applauded. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You don't know that my gut looks fantastic. <laughs> you know, nobody tells you that. You right. know what I mean? Like, it's, you know, we don't have the conversations. Well, how many times today do you poop? Yeah. Like, that's the... It's like, ooh. We don't look yeah. under the hood. We Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you want... the. You judge. I mean, when you look at somebody who's thin and skinny, you go, oh, oh, she's healthy. Yeah. You have no idea that her entire body is, you know, suffocating because it doesn't have water and she's dehydrated and, you know, like her skin's dry and she's Mm -hmm. having all these other issues and she just keeps getting thinner and thinner thinking that that's going to solve the problem. Right. When the girl who's 20 pounds heavier is way beyond her body is is being fueled properly and she is doing you know things but she's she weighs 20 pounds more mm-hmm. like we don't see that and we don't equate that because that's not what like you said is applauded this is why we shouldn't have an opinion on anybody else's body because we do not know what is going on yeah and we really shouldn't have an opinion of our own to be honest i mean mm-hmm. we have to come from this place of neutrality that you can accept your body and you can love your body well. Your right now body. I talk mm-hmm. about that a lot. You have to learn how to love your body well right where it is. Yeah. And yeah. that not just when it loses 20 pounds yes. or not when you've been killing it at the gym or when you've had a salad every day this week. You know, like you have to love it through all of it. Mm-hmm. It's got it needs that compassion and that kindness because a body who is hated and spoken to negatively will never heal. Yeah. And we have to own that, honestly. And I think a lot of women wait, like myself, till their 40s to accept who they are and what their body has done and being comfortable. It's just that like with time and knowledge, you're like, okay, I don't care as much as I did back then. But then you look back and you're like, man, I wish I could tell that 28 year old like she looked good. She was healthy. She was happy. Why did she beat herself up so bad? Yep. So what do you guys think we can do for like our girls, our younger generations? Like how do we as moms, obviously we love them well and we continue to build them up. But I think that's moms right now are struggling. So how are they loving their daughters and their sons? And their sons, yeah. 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 Well, to make sure that the cycle isn't repeated. I think that we just have to show up in a space from self-love. And I think if it's rooted in self-hatred, I think our kids are going to see that and pick up on it. Yeah. And so it has to be rooted in self-love. Like if you were up till midnight and you feel like you can't skip the gym in the morning because you're going to gain five pounds or because you just don't skip the gym, what message are you sending your kids? Like that you don't deserve rest Mm -hmm. and that you have to hustle all the time? Oh, yeah. Okay. Dare I say... Instead of, okay, because I have a problem. No, I don't have a problem. I 
a pet peeve of mine is the the self love because I think that there's so many different like so many definitions of it, right? Yeah. Like the industry of self love, it's its own like, culture. It's its own it culture, is, you know. right? And it's obsession with self. What if we change the narrative of loving our body like God loves our body, yeah. like God love? You need your body to you need to love your body like God loves your body mm-hmm. because then it's then it's not me. Like I know that God, God created every cell from head to toe. And yep. that because he accepts every single part of me, that's how I need, because that's not coming from me. Like yeah. I can't love me the way that God loves me. Like, but if I tell myself, okay, you're going to accept your body like God accepts your body, then like that gives mm-hmm. me a whole different perspective. Like, you, you can know? give yourself a lot more grace that way. Yeah. yeah. Because when it, you think that it's just grace. that, Thank that you. it's more work that you have to do and I, I have to do this and I have to do this and mm-hmm. I have to do this. Yeah. It feels exhausting. Whether right. or not you've given diet culture, you know, the boot or and you're in like a more of a root cause approach and you're coming at it like that. But you have to realize that you're really, truly not in this alone, especially if you're a believer. Mm-hmm. But like you have to welcome God into that journey and say, okay, I'm going to forgive myself for everything that led me to this point. Like there's yeah. a lot when I share my story and I've only shared even half of it. There's more <laughs> like it's it's hard not to be like, well, this is all really messed up. Like, why did I have to go through all of that mm-hmm. to get here at 40? Yeah. You know, yeah. but instead it's it's reframing and being like, I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Thank Isn't you it- for the lesson. So I can have more empathy and more compassion for women who are going through things mm-hmm. and I can use my pain for purpose. And I can yes. help them because I, I can help them. What you just said, like using your pain for purpose. I mean, we talked about this in therapy and like trying to just in, in our forties still connect to who our authentic self is. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's parts of us that were the, the childhood, the teenage years, the twenties, all things that we've learned yet, you know, you have those roadblocks that came in those hardships, the trauma, all of that. That shapes you who you are. Yeah. And if we stay on the path of that, like block it off. Yeah. We're not owning no. who we are. It's part of our story. It is. And, and it's okay. We honestly, we all have pain. Absolutely. N- no one gets to their 40s without something that they've been through that's shaped them and changed them and given them a different outlook on life. I mean, yeah. I truly believe that. And if they say that they have, they're either dead or lying. It's true. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, or or they're just a stuffer and they yeah. haven't realized I it I was yet. just going to uh, say, they're yeah. stuffing it. I mean, we yeah. talk about it, how like secrets. Oh, yeah. The secrets in the dark space is why people are where they are. Like, I mean, and I know that. And can you imagine how bo- how sick their body, not like gross, but like right. how internal, in unhealthy, in unhealthy their body is because of they're the holding dark, it. The secrets, the stress, the oh, my gosh, I hope no one ever finds out is yep. just killing that's their the, inside but i think root. that goes i think that goes back to the whole shame piece of it like we we have this idea of what you're supposed to look like who you're supposed to be you know you're yeah. supposed to have a baby and you're supposed to bounce back and you're yeah. never supposed to gain weight and you should look like this for your husband and all of that and can we just kind of stop say, say f- it. Okay. <laughs> okay i didn't know Sorry. i'm glad that you're, you love jesus and cussing because me too yes can we call bs <laughs> like like i think that is something that we have to Think about like it's all these expectations, all these expectations of yeah. who you are and who you're supposed to be. And and I hate it when it's like, well, that thing happened to me, too. And I didn't react the way that you did. Well, I'm sorry. 
it wasn't your trauma to deal with exactly in the same way. Right. We all deal with things differently. And I'm talking like there's two kinds of trauma. There's big trauma and little trauma. They call it big T and little T. And we can have like those big things, like maybe our parents got divorced or maybe you had an abusive relationship or something. But there's also things like maybe your mom nagged all the time or maybe you were alone a lot or maybe you were taught to use food as as a, a coping mechanism. A coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. So trauma can happen in a lot of different, a lot of different ways, to be honest. And we have to recognize that that does play a role in how we proceed forward. Yeah. But we can't stay stuck there. I mean, yeah. you can stay stuck in your story and never grow or learn from it. And I think that's where people get stuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's when shame I, takes over. And I think part of that shame is also attached to the fact that while they may, if they're a believer, that they've asked God for forgiveness mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, God, God's forgiven this. But if you're not forgiven, if you haven't given grace to yourself and forgiven yourself, yeah, you will never let go no. of any of that. It doesn't matter what you think God is actually, mm-hmm. what he's forgiven, what he died for. If you are still holding on and just still saying like, gosh, I can't forgive myself for those five first years of marriage. Like that is where I sucked and I had the opportunity to do all these things with my husband and I just wasted it away. The fact that like that was the hardest thing for me to forgive myself and going, stop. I've asked for forgiveness from my husband, yeah. from my from God. And because of that, I can I I can forgive myself and go, no, no, no. Because of those five years, I can use that mess for a message I can walk other, you know, newlyweds through that yeah. and say, don't do what I did. And God's going to use it. He's going to redeem all things. So, but I think that realizing to give yourself grace, that's where the release of shame is, right? Like yeah. that forgiveness of self. And yeah. no pain has to be wasted, but it's, yeah. it's up to us to realize how we're going to use it. Yep. How we're going to use it for good. Are we going to stay stuck there? Are we going to repeat the cycle? Are mm-hmm. we going to teach our kids that cycle too? Or are we going to say, hey, this happened yeah. and this is how we're getting through it. And this is how we're learning from it so we can move mm-hmm. forward. And I also want to say, this isn't to say that I'm a perfect person and can do that every time. I think that goes without saying, like we're imperfect. Absolutely. I'm not absolutely agreeing like you're imperfect. You're, yes, no, no, no. Absolutely. <laughs> no, all of us are hot messes. Yeah. But like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we can all say all the right things, but I can't, I can't tell you that I like never fail. You know yeah. what I mean? Right. We all exactly. do. So I don't want to give the impression that like I'm, holier than thou or mightier than thou or whatever. But just knowing that that you might not even recognize that it's a place that you need to offer that forgiveness to yourself or mm-hmm. honestly, yeah. the forgiveness to God. Like I went through some years that I was mad. Yeah. Like, I was really, really mad that God put me through what he'd put me through. And I had to like come back and, and say, okay, I forgive you. Yeah. And I'm going to use this now for a better plan. Like now right. I see because... I let myself come out of the pain a little bit and you can let yourself see, okay, this is how it was meant to serve me. And it really mm-hmm. does stink sometimes. I have a body that will never look the way that it used to. It's very, very difficult now for me to be at a healthy weight. It has been since having my daughter. I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease and I do believe it was honestly from years of trauma in my body. And that's mm-hmm. okay. Like, that's okay. I, I hope that with the healing that I'm doing now, someday I will be able to be in a body that feels more physically comfortable, but I can't rush that process again Yeah, because I rushed it before right? and I ended up here and I don't want to end up here again. Instead, I'm just loving my body through it, like asking mm-hmm. it, what do you need today? Do you need a workout? Do you need sleep? Do you need extra veggies? Have you had your water? Like, yeah. Yeah. Do you need to get some things off your chest? You know, yeah. I, 
health and wellness is so multifaceted. It's not just the number on the scale and it's not just the food on your plate. There are so many other aspects of it. And that's what we're not taught. We're taught that it's just those two things. And Mm -hmm. it's so much more than that. How are your relationships? How is your finances? How is your your friendships? How is your stress? stress? How much are you actually sleeping? Sleep is something I struggle. Sleep and stress are my, they have told me time and again, those are what's holding me back from being able to shed the unwanted weight right now. But my focus isn't that, isn't the number on the scale. It isn't the number that I see when I step on there. My focus is how can I get more sleep? How am I dealing with my stress? And that is hard. Yeah, it is. Uh, if yeah. I can be honest, it'd be a lot easier to join a weight loss program right now and do that versus dealing with sleep and stress mm-hmm. when you're well, a mom of three and a business owner. And I think that that's why we we go back, right? Like oh, that's yeah. why you went to Weight Watchers the second time after oh, you knew all that. It was it like was, the 32nd time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. We want an easy answer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't want it to be complicated. We're like, let it be the fact that I need to go to the gym five days a week and I need to eat less. Mm-hmm. Like, let it be that simple. Instead yeah. of having to go to, you know, being told, okay, I need birth control and then mm-hmm. going, Wait, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't make sense in my head. Let me yeah. go and talk to a naturopath. Let me go and talk to a chiropractor. Mm-hmm. Let me go talk to like find out more because that's a longer process. Yeah. We want it to be easy. The quick fix. We want it to be, you know, like just take this pill and your gut will be better. Well, no, there's some, Mm-mm. there's other things in that. There's a root cause to everything. And I know that a lot of people don't want to believe that, but there really is. Yeah. Right. Right. Because we're taught to that to get it fast. We're in a instant gratification. Yes. We live in that society that the microwave. Like literally, my my oldest right now really wants a LeBron James jersey. And I'm like, well, you get to buy that for yourself. <laughs> and <Yeah>. so <laughs> yep. he's like, Yep. He's like, oh, what can I do to earn money? Like, how can I earn money? And so he's like doing all these things. And he's like, how about $8 for that? And I'm like, no, like some of these things you're just going to have to do on your own. But he wants it like yesterday. He wants the jersey yesterday. Totally. And I finally this week looked at him and I was like, hey, bud, you need to understand what it looks like to work hard for something that you really want and Mm -hmm. earn it. And it's going to take you a couple of weeks to earn the money that it's going to take to buy a LeBron James jersey. Like go through your room, see if there's anything you want to sell. But like, I am not just handing you over, what is it, 80 to $100 for yeah. this jersey. Like you are going to have to earn this for yourself. So you yeah. can understand that it is worth putting the work in when you can see mm-hmm. like the result. When you have something that you really want in your life, whether that's healing, whether that's something at work that you're working for or something like we, oh, we yeah. all are chasing something, hopefully mm-hmm. in a healthy way. But knowing like, hey, it's it's worth it. It's worth your time. It's worth your yeah. energy to do that. Yeah. No, I, I have a my third grader and second grader and how many times we've been to a store and the girls were like, oh, I really want this. And I was like, well, you don't have any money right now. Yeah. Okay. Well, how about I buy it or how about you buy it right now? (laughs) And then when we get home, you can tell me all the things I need to do. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not no, how that works. It's called yeah. a credit card. <laughs> that is that's a good one. I need to be like, no, 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 no. We need to go backwards. Like, we're going to pay fat cash for that thing. You are going to go do, I need to see that you're going to do the work. Because mm-hmm. we know, as soon as that toy gets in their hand, the working, all bets are off. All bets are off. Yeah. Well, I have it. So I don't Why have do to I have do, to do anything for it? Why do I have to yep. do anything right. for it? Yep. We're so. talking about that right now with our son. He's going to pay for half his car. And... I know. I mean, we've already got, you know, applications out there for the job and all the things like we're does talking he babysit? about it. Huh? Does he babysit? <laughs> uh, he does. 
but that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> okay. Cause I, hey, I'm always looking for a good babysitter. And I totally believe that boys should babysit I, more often. I do agree. And I have, I have encouraged it, but he's not as open to it as mother wants him to. I'm like, that's you okay. are the oldest of four kids. You have babysat. Oh, oh no. I was just going to say that. You know how to do this all. You know how to do and it. it. Buddy, it's cash under the table. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no taxes <laughs> sticking out. Paying taxes. <laughs> yeah. Like, I He'll learn real quick when he gets that paycheck. You mean I worked 20 hours yes. and they took a third of it? Yes. Right. Yes, they did. Yep. Yep. He'll be like, sign me up for babysitting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I, I mean, this is, this is a podcast number two and three and four if we want. I'm reading a book. There's the book. I always say a book. Um, but uh-huh. it's called uh, The Collapse of Parenting. And it's really incredible. And it's talking about this instant gratification and just this ability to the emotions are so much higher than responsibility. And just mm. so, so, it's so good. Who wrote it? I will look it up. I'll oh, put it right. in the show notes. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. Sorry. Um, I should have known better. <laughs> <laughs> but all that to say, though, it this is something that we're all dealing with on the daily. Mm-hmm. We're dealing with it ourselves. We're dealing with it with our kids and trying to teach it. But we got to relearn it ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And it's a gift that we can truly give them, mm-hmm. I think, because we need to teach them that instant gratification is definitely not there as an adult. Yeah. You know, and you're always going to feel disappointed and be disappointed if that's the mindset that we come into adulthood with. Yeah. Yeah. Is that I have to have it now. I mean, that's when we're going to have debt. That's when we're going to have addictions and, and all of that. And mm-hmm. I want to help my kids. I'm not, I, you know, we can't, we can't save them from the pain. They're going to have pain of their own, but we can do our best yeah. to equip them yep. with how they can handle the pain when it comes their way. Yep. Yeah. Cause it's coming. It is. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And you just have to look outside your front door. Yeah. I know. <laughs> well, we, I know your last part of your journey. I would, I would love for you to share. You've already talked about it a little bit with autoimmune disorder, and that's kind of how you got to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and so share a little bit more about this last part of your journey. Yeah. So in 2019, I had my third. I had her in April. Uh, so I have two boys and a girl. So I had my daughter in April of 2019 and had the healthiest pregnancy I'd ever had. Was not dieting, felt amazing. Um, no I go back to, pain. No back pain. I was it's terrified bad. of that, but did not. I go to Bar Method here in Kansas City and did Bar Method my entire pregnancy and really truly was like, I've arrived. Like, this is going to be amazing. Yeah. I've mm-hmm. done it finally. Like, you've put in your time, Amy, and now it's time to like shine. And God laughed. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not done with you yet. And now, by, on the flip side, good news if he was done with you, you'd be dead. Yes. So, true. There's, there's that. So. <laughs> So in November of 2019 is when I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's and I gave myself a couple days to feel like a lot of grief Mm. that my life now is forever changed. And I realized that a lot of people are walking around with Hashimoto's. So it's sadly a very common autoimmune disease. But when you have one autoimmune, autoimmune disease, you're three times as likely to have more. Yeah. And that was something that I didn't like hearing because I had my last baby at 37 years old that I'm going to be an older mom, mm-hmm. you know, as she goes into school. And so I want to be able to be in a body that feels good. So I have spent since 2019 really healing, have not lost the baby weight. It is 100% stuck on my body right now. And it's taught me a lot about kind of giving up that expectation of what it's supposed to look like and instead leaning into the journey and trusting that there's a plan in all of this. I don't always like the plan, to be honest. I deal a lot with inflammation. 
then a lot of joint pain is two of the things that I deal the most with and work daily to get those things down and focus more on stress and sleep. And we talk a lot about how mom needs to take care of herself, you know, mm-hmm. and some days I do better at that than others. And, but I, I think the gift that I'm able to give my kids is that you have to listen to your body. It's this gift that we've been given and it's always speaking to us. Mm-hmm. And so throughout all of this, I blogged. So when I left Weight Watchers, I was actually an ambassador for the company. And so had to like come out and publicly say, I no longer align and believe. And that was a really, really difficult thing for me to do, um, Mm -hmm. to do that. But then now to kind of like totally turn it on its head and come at it from a totally different space. And so that's been interesting to do um, online, to be honest. But it's given me a lot of courage and insight to what a lot of women are feeling. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the beautiful thing. I think that a lot of times women feel very alone in their stories. And when we just allow ourselves to have these really important conversations, what we realize is that we aren't alone. And there are women who feel very similarly to how we feel. They're struggling yeah. with a lot of the same things. And they might not feel like they have a safe place to share it to talk about it, mm-hmm. to grieve what they think their life was supposed to be like or what it was supposed to, what motherhood was supposed to look like. Welcome to the tagline of the unlikely housewives. Yes. Yeah. That is that is exactly why we started this podcast. Yeah. Because we knew we we were having conversations and it was like, wait, you feel that way? Mm-hmm. Feel that way. Mm-hmm. Wait, if you feel that way and I feel that way, do you think there are more that feel like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. And that is why we want these conversations. And that's why we continue to show up week after week and have these things. And and people can look at us and we're like, we don't know why you're doing a podcast. Well, we're just showing up in obedience and oh, yeah. and just having... That's really it. And having, Might not be for you. Right. And that's okay. Exactly. And that's okay. There may be one person 10 years from now because mm-hmm. everything on the internet lives forever. Like, that's also a lesson, children. Yeah. <laughs> do not post the picture. She always talks to children on here, and I, I love do. it. Like, what child is going to listen I'm right now? It's to 10 year children. It's, you don't know if our children are going to be listening to this from now or their friends listen. That is true. That is. I do know do that. Do not post the picture. I'm t- do not send the naked photo. <laughs> Everything lives forever. So, but yeah, we, I mean, that's that's exactly why we started this, because mm-hmm. we we found out that we aren't alone Mm-mm. and our stories are so more similar than we think. Yeah, absolutely. And you never know who's listening. You never know who's watching and mm-hmm. learning. Yeah. I actually had somebody from high school message me today, high school, who I have not obviously seen in 20 years. And she said, I want to thank you for your podcast. Like this is truly impacting me and changing the way I think about everything in the relationship I'm having with my son. And I mean, I read that we were not good friends in high school. I mean, she was somebody that I knew, obviously, but that not... makes me want to cry. Yeah. I just that's that right there. You just do not know because in this space, when we're talking about these that feel kind of like an open, raw wound, it's not like you know sharing like oh the latest true crime pod- podcast. Like you're talking about people's deep dark secrets that they might not feel like they want to come forward and say, "Hey, your podcast impacted me because that's something I'm struggling with." Right, right, right. But you're making an impact. Your impact is deeper than I think we'll ever know, truly. Well, that but was not, our last week's it's podcast. Not, it's not yeah. for us to know. Yeah, that's, right. That's the kingdom work. Absolutely. And as I think we should end on that. Yes. That's the kingdom work. It so. is. Keep so. sharing your story, Amy. We're going to share all of your podcasts, your Instagram, your blog. We'll share it in Everything. our show notes so people can Thank follow you. you. 
Thank you for sharing your heart. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And I think whether you like it or not, you're going to have to come back. (laughs) So Sorry. Thanks. I'll be back. I'll be back. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Until next week, housewives. Have a great week. Bye. Whether we made you laugh or cry today, we pray you feel appreciated, bolder and braver than yesterday, stronger and more faithful for tomorrow and living in who you were made to be today. Join our online community on Facebook. Link in the show notes. And be sure to review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening. Until next time, housewives, we give you permission to walk confidently, free, and to be intentional in your slippers or stilettos.